You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Nehemiah chapter number 2 and verse number 17. The Bible says, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we may be no more reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's, word, king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sinbalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we as servants will arise and build but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Please speak to us and give us what we need from the Bible this morning. I thank you for these people and their faithfulness. I pray that we would not miss what you have for us. Thank you for your word. I thank you that your word has the answers uh, to every problem, to every situation in life. And I pray that we would be uh, discerning. I pray that we would be receptive. I pray that we would be open to hear what thus saith the Lord. I ask and pray that if there's anyone in this service this morning or anyone that's watching online or anyone that may be listening by way of radio, I pray that today, if they have never trusted Christ as their Savior, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We started last week in Nehemiah 2. We've been in the series in Nehemiah for a few weeks. But we began last week in Nehemiah chapter 2, and the title of the, the, the chapter we've said is The Help from Heavenly Hands. And that's what all of us need today. We need some help, but not just from human hands. We need help from heavenly hands. Uh, our hands can mess things up. How many of you know that? Have you ever had a project or had a situation? You messed it up. I have. And you thought, oh, that wasn't good. I should have waited for the expert. I should have waited for the right person that knew what they were doing. I want to tell you, God knows what he's doing in your life. And God wants to help you. And God will help you. And he will give you help if you will but ask and if you will but let him. Notice with me, if you would, Nehemiah says in verse number eight, at the end of the verse, it says, and the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Verse number 18, then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. Help from heavenly hands. We saw last week, Nehemiah, his countenance. He was cheerful in his countenance. Number two, his consistency. Day after day, he showed up to the king and the king said, Nehemiah, you've never been sad before, but something's different about today. We saw number three, the change in his countenance. The change in his countenance was because he heard of the destruction of Jerusalem. He, he heard that his city had been destroyed. I imagine for someone that had lived in New York 
maybe had moved away for, for business or moved away even to maybe another country. Can you imagine what that must have been like for those people after 9-11 to, to see that city? The, the beauty of that city and, 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 and the power and the glory of that, that city and that architecture and then to, to hear about it. And then to go back to ground zero and to see the destruction. I cannot imagine what that would have been like. Well, Nehemiah heard about the destruction in Jerusalem. And he said, somebody's got to do something. There was a change in his countenance. Then we saw last week, there was a commission from the king. The king said, Nehemiah, you've got my blessing. Nehemiah, you've got my provision. Nehemiah, here's the credit card. Here's the king's credit card. Go for it. Say, wow, wouldn't that be nice? Well, guess what? You got something better. I got something better. We've got a commission from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He says, you go, you do the work I've called you to do, and I will take care of you. Aren't you glad God takes care of us? I thank the Lord for his provision and for his power as he commissions us. And last week we ended with number five, Nehemiah's confidence in God. He said, I've got God's hand upon me. I've got God's hand upon my life. And God's hand is a good hand to have upon your life. I want you to hold your place in Nehemiah chapter 2. And I want you to turn with me to the gospel of John. John chapter 10. As we're talking about God's hand upon us, we're talking about God's hand of, of power for serving. We're talking about God's hand of blessing upon our daily lives. But I want to remind you as we're talking about the hands of God, I want to remind you that if you are saved, if you are a child of God, if you've been born again, you are in the hands of God. Now, I want God's hand upon me every day, but I need to know that I'm in the hands of God because that's how I know for sure that I'm going to heaven. That's how I know that I've got eternal life. Notice what Jesus said in John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Well, who are Jesus' sheep? It's those who have been saved. And you may be here today, and you say, well, I've never been saved. Does Jesus care about me? Well, I'll tell you this. He loves you and cares about you so much that he was willing to leave the 99 sheep in the fold to go and find that one lost sheep. And Jesus loves you so much that he left heaven. He set aside the glory of heaven. He set aside the splendor of heaven. And he put on the robe of humanity. And he came to this earth to seek and to save you. If you'd been the only person on earth, he would have come for you. He died on a cross for you. He gave his life for you. He shed his blood for you. If you haven't figured it out yet, yes, he loves you. Yes, he cares about you. Jesus loves you and he wants to save you and he will. He will save you if you'll let him. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. Aren't you glad that Jesus knows your name? He knows where you live. He knows your address. He knows your phone number. <laughs> By the way, you say, I wish some other people would know my phone number. The telemarketers are the only ones that know my number, you know. <laughs> he knows your number. He knows your burdens. He knows your struggles. He knows your fears. He knows your frustrations. 
He knows everything about you. I'm glad Jesus knows. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said, and I know them and they follow me. That's what sheep ought to do. Sheep don't know where to go. Sheep need a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Verse number 28, and I give unto them eternal life. And I don't have time to get into all this verse here. But when Jesus says, I give eternal life, suffice it to say, you can't earn it. You can't pay for it. You can't work for it. It is a gift. And it is a slap in the face of God to think that you can earn your way to heaven if you could earn your way to heaven. If I could earn my way to heaven, Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. But he died because he is the only way that a person can get to heaven. That's the only way you can be saved. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. If you've been saved, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have trusted him, you are in his hand. That is salvation. And then verse 29 says, Jesus goes on to say, My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. If you're saved, you're in the hand of Jesus. If you're saved, you're in the hand of God the Father and nobody can pull you out. Nobody can pluck you out. Nobody can pry you out. Nobody can drag you out. Nobody can scare you out. Nobody can force you out. You are safe in the hands of God. Verse 30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. That was a very powerful statement. Verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of these works do you stone me? Verse 33, the Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because thou being a man makest thyself God. Ding, 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 ding. You got it right. That's exactly who Jesus is. He's God. If he were not God, he couldn't save you. If Jesus were just a good man, you'd be wasting your time trusting him. If Jesus were just a prophet, if he were just a teacher, you and I, we couldn't trust him for salvation, but we can trust him for salvation because he is God. He died on a cross. He shed his blood to save you and you are in his hand. You are secure with salvation. We see that we are in good hands for salvation. But for service, we must have God's good hand of blessing and God's good hand of power upon us. Notice verse number 12 of Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah shares uh, uh, in verse number 12, he shares what happened and how that he got to Jerusalem. Actually, verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and I was there three days. I don't, have time to, I don't have time to get into this, but I'm going to. And so we may have to cut it short a little bit later on. But notice with me, you got to see this. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, came to pass in the month Chislu. Now that doesn't mean anything to us. That's not a month on our calendar, right? I, I know most of the months, January, February, March. You see, you don't know them either. But I know Chislu is not one of them, but it was in the month of Chislu that Nehemiah, he got a burden. 
He heard about Jerusalem. He got a burden. But notice chapter 2 and verse number 1. Came to pass in the month Nisan. Now that's not a month. That's a car manufacturer, right? Nisan. So from Chislu, that was the, the Jewish month, to the month Nisan, the Jewish month Nisan. From those months, that is four months time. Now here's what's amazing about Nehemiah. Nehemiah got a burden and it lasted more than five seconds. He got a burden from God. It lasted more than a day or two. He got a burden from God and four months later, that burden is still overwhelming him. So much so that he leaves uh, 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 Shushan. He goes to Jerusalem in verse 11. He gets there to Jerusalem and he's there three days. Now here's the, here's the beauty of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man on a mission, but Nehemiah never got ahead of God. Now, sometimes we get ahead of God because we're impatient. Please don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Please don't look at me like, well, maybe you are a pastor, but we're not. As a matter of fact, I scared some of you when I said, I don't have time to get into this this morning, but I'm going to anyway. You know why? Because we are not patient people, right? And we're in a hurry. We want to go somewhere. We want to hurry up and wait, you know, and hurry up and get there and then wait for this. And no, no, Nehemiah was not in a hurry. He was patient. He took four months, but he waited on God. And then he got to Jerusalem. He waited three days. He waited for the right time to start the mission that God had given him. We saw last week, we saw his confidence was in God. Number six, I want you to see uh, this morning. Number six, Nehemiah's charge to others. Would you notice with me verse number 17? Then I said unto them, you see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Verse 18, I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. I was at a place of business this last week. I won't tell you where. I won't tell you even what kind of business it was. The person that I'm going to talk about, they may be listening or you may be related to them. And I'd never want to embarrass anybody. But I was talking to somebody at a place of business and I was asking about what time they were getting off. And I asked how, how the day was going and, and, and how the, the last hour of the day was going to go. And the, the person was very kind, very professional. As a matter of fact, they kind of surprised me. I thought they were going to say something different. But the person said, yeah, I said, uh, the last hour, if it's slow, it really just drags. And I thought, well, that makes sense, you know. And then the person said, and if the last hour is busy, it still drags, you know. I mean, it's, it's just a long, long shift, however you, however you want to slice it. And to be fair, to be fair, we've all had jobs at some point that maybe we didn't enjoy or we've had jobs that were difficult. Have you ever had a job, I'm not talking about right now, but in the past, have you ever had a job that was hard, maybe you didn't enjoy, you did it because it was a job, right? And by the way, I'm glad to have a job. <laughs> and I'm glad for, for people that gave me jobs, even when it wasn't something I liked. You know, work is still work. And that's not a bad word, you know, it's, it's okay to work. Say, well, I don't get a break every 15 minutes. Well, right, that's because it's not called break, it's called work, you know, it's a job. I remember one job I had when I was in high school, and, and this, job, uh, this job I did not enjoy. Part of the reason was that my dad volunteered me for the job. 
Have you ever, did you ever have jobs like that growing up that your, your parents, they signed you up for the job and you said, um, what if I don't want to? And your parents said, oh, you want to. You want to because I already told them you're coming. And it was a job and I'm thankful for the job and it was, it was a blessing to me. I was in high school. We had just moved and there was a, a, a couple in our church in Illinois and they had this huge, huge old Victorian house that they had fixed up. It was beautiful and uh, just the, 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 the character of it and all that. And, and I was thankful for the job. They were gracious to me to, to let me have that job and they paid me well to work and all that. But the problem was they it started, I needed to paint the outside of this Victorian home. I don't mind painting. I'm not, I'm not good at painting. It just, it takes me forever. But, you know, I don't mind painting. But, and it was hot. That, that didn't bother me. I'd done other jobs out in the hot sun. But the thing I could not handle very well was the height. Because it was an old Victorian home. It was a two-story, and then it had the attic that went up in a peak. And so there were some spots where literally I'm on this ladder. This ladder is extended. The ocean never came by the job site, okay? I, that ladder was extended as far as it could go. And I am literally standing on the second to the last rung. You know, I'm holding the house with one hand so I don't slide. And I'm holding the paintbrush. And, and literally I'd go home at night and my whole body would hurt. Not because of the work, but because I was so tense. Because I was so nervous. Anybody else afraid of heights? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So can you imagine being on a ladder up about two stories and a little further and you're trying to get the house and then there's the, then there's the overhang and you're trying to reach back to get that and to paint the trim. And, and that was one of those jobs that looking back, I thought, praise God I survived. <laughs> praise God I didn't fall and kill myself, you know? And here I am, so you know. But that was not a job I was not out recruiting my friends saying, hey, you want to help me? Now, I should have. I should have let them take over and then tricked them. You know, I didn't. But that was not a job. I said, oh, you got to hear about this job. Oh, I love this job. Oh, I can't wait to go to work. Oh, this job. That wasn't one of those. But here's the thing. Nehemiah had a job and he was so excited about it. He was so burdened about it that he went out and he started getting help. He said, hey, let us. Let's us do this. Let's rise up and build. And you know what the people said? Count us in. We, we, we want to do it. Now, do you think Nehemiah was going around recruiting like this? Oh, I need some help, but oh, it's hard. Oh. I need some help, but it's, it's, it's a pain. You don't want to help me, do you? No, no. You, you don't have time, right? You're not interested, right? Do, do you think that's how Nehemiah was recruiting help for the work of God? Oh, no. I think Nehemiah was recruiting help saying, hey, folks, here's a great opportunity and you get to be a part. And I want to say the work of God is a great opportunity and we get to be a part. I hope people out in the world, I hope they never look at us and say, boy, I'm glad I don't have to go to church like them. Boy, they have a rough life. Boy, I'm glad I'm not a Christian like them because they're always depressed. They're always mad at somebody. They're always upset. They're always, hey, can I tell you the Christian life is the greatest life in all the world. And even if you're having a bad day, just remember at the end of the day, you're on your way to heaven and you know Jesus and you've got the promises of God. And Nehemiah had an attitude to say, hey, this is a great work and I want you to be involved. Friend, don't ever get over the thrill of getting to serve God. If you teach a Sunday school class, don't ever get over the thrill. 
If you sing in a choir, don't ever get over the thrill. If you, if you help in a junior church or you help on a bus route or you help in a master club or you work in a Christian school like our teachers that I'm so thankful we started last week, can I tell you, it's a privilege. If you get to go to work and be a Christian and you get to be a testimony and a light for Jesus Christ, don't ever get over the thrill. If you get to be a witness and you get to be a testimony and you get to be a blessing, don't ever, don't ever act like it's the worst thing in the world because, friend, it's not the worst thing. It's the best thing in all the world to be a Christian. And Nehemiah, he began recruiting. He challenged others and others said, count us in. He said, I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. Did you know others need the hand of God on their life just like you have? Others need the hand of God on their, their life. Others need the help of God just like you and I need the help of God. We see the charge, the challenge to others. But then I see number seven. I see the conflict. We see it in verse number 19, but I first want you to go back to verse 10 because this is where the conflict first is described. It says in verse 10, when Sanballat the Horonite he was a, a leader in the area there of Samaria in that region. And Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite. Now, the Ammonites were the enemies of God's people. And there's no doubt about it. You study the Ammonites. They were enemies of the Jews. It says that they, when they heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Does it say that Nehemiah was coming to attack Sanballat? Was he coming to hurt Tobiah? No. He wasn't even going to mess with them. He wasn't even going to he wasn't even talk to them. He wasn't even going to say boo to them. You know why they were so upset? Because they didn't want anybody doing something good Amen. for God's people. And I want to tell you, we're living in a world right now where you don't even talk to them. You don't even know who they are, but you try to do something for God and there's going to be some people that are going to lift their head up and they're going to open their mouth and they're going to speak against you and they're going to fight against you. And that old devil is not going to be happy if you try to have a home that is a Christian home and a marriage that is a Christian marriage and you try to have a testimony and you go to church and you read your Bible. That old devil's not going to like anything that is done for the welfare, for the well-being of God's people. Notice verse 19. It says there was another guy. His name was Geshem. He was the Arabian. And these three men, when they heard about Nehemiah's plan, it says they laughed them to scorn and despised them and said, what is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? I, I don't appreciate it. I know you don't either. But I don't appreciate when people mock me. Now, we, we, in fun, you know, we'll tease and all that. And we've, we've told our, our children, you know, you got to be able to take some teasing. You got to have thick skin. But you know, at the end of the day, there's not any of us that love to be made fun of. None of us love to be mocked. None of us love to be ridiculed. Can I tell you, Nehemiah, he didn't appreciate it much either. But here's what Nehemiah did. He said, okay, you want to laugh at us? You want to mock us? You want to make fun of us? Okay, well, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Verse number 20. Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. He said, I'm not worried about you guys. 
Because I got authority from somebody higher than you guys. I've got the God of heaven on my side. I've got the promise of God and our God, he will prosper us. You know, some of you maybe today, you just need to take home that truth that God is going to do for you what he said he would do. God's going to keep his promise. You say, but what about Sanballat? I don't know about Sanballat, but I know about God and I know God keeps his promise. I don't know about Tobiah. You say, but he's big, he's strong, he's intimidating. He, he's going to give me trouble at work or she's going to give me trouble at the office or, or this person's going to, hey, I don't know about all those people. But I know there's a God in heaven and I know that he's going to come through. I know that he's going to keep his promise. Nehemiah said, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. He said, God will do his part Nehemiah said, and we will do our part. And then notice the end of verse 20. But ye, he's talking to Sanballat and Tobiah and the Geshem. He said, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Here's what he says in a nice way. He says, get out of the way because we're coming through. He says, close your mouth because we're not listening to you. You've got no business, you've got no right, you've got no authority. You don't get to tell us what to do because God's already told us and we're going to follow God. He says, watch out, we're coming through. And maybe this week, now don't, don't send that text message like that. Don't say, watch out, I'm coming through, you know. But maybe there's some people in your life that maybe this week you need to decide I'm not letting that person stop me. Maybe there's some, some obstacles in your life. Maybe there's some burdens. Maybe there's some financial pressures. Maybe there's some situations at work. And you say, you know what? I know this. God's going to take care of me. God will prosper us. God will bless us. God will keep his promise. And I know this. We are going to do our part. We will arise and we will build. You see, it doesn't matter how many people are against you. If God be for us, who can be against us? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I like what Elisha told his servant when they were surrounded by the army. Elisha told his servant, he said, hey, buddy, don't worry. He said, there are more that be with us than that be with them. And then he prayed. He said, Lord, open his eyes. That he may see. And when God opened the eyes of that servant, that servant saw, oh yeah, there was an army around them, but they had an army of angels that was around them, and they had the power of God that was protecting them. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.